Okay, we are back with the second installment with Dr. Robert Garcia. This installment, this series is going to be about business, where we left off last week with life. Um, we were navigating and transitioning into the four fears of success, and that's where we want to pick up this week. So, Dr. Rob, over to you. Can you walk us through the four fears of success? Absolutely. And uh, thank you, Jacqueline, for having me on in this uh, exciting action-packed sequel to our original interview. Um, so, essentially, the four biggest fears that affect any business owner or entrepreneur are the fear of success, the fear of failure, the fear of judgment, and then imposter syndrome. And once you write these down on a piece of paper and you're able to identify each one, you're going to understand why subconsciously you turn away from doing certain things or why you give up on projects easily or why you, why a lot of people uh, never reach their potential. Because once they can define these four fears and compartmentalize why they, uh, their, their ideas fall into one of them, then they'll be able to, to move forward. Um, a lot of times, you know, have you ever, Jacqueline, have you ever given up on something because you were worried about what people would think? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it was, it was, did it turn out to be kind of an unfounded fear or something you regretted? When I went ahead and moved forward with it? Yes. Every time. Yeah. And my life has been full of those. So for example, I, I wrote a book called Teen Juggernaut. It's my second book ever. Um, and a coworker of mine told me it belonged in the bargain bin at the Del Mar gun show. And yeah. he was laughing at me about it. And then like a year later, I was on the morning news for it and it had been downloaded. I put it on Edutopia, um, which is a giant educational site. And it was downloaded by teachers in like 11 countries and um, became a, a good selling book. But if I'd have listened to my fear of judgment um, or my fear of failure, then I never would have written Teen Juggernaut and I never would have understood how to write books and write six more. And so right. ultimately, you, with the people that do judge us, they judge us out of fear because an interesting thing happens when somebody immediately has a reaction that's negative to something you do or you announce you're going to do. It's because in a split second, their brain imagines them doing it. They know they can't do it. And so they want to channel that negativity to you. They want to channel that fear and insecurity, just like crabs in a bucket to pull you down because they know they can't do it. So if somebody tells you, I could never do that, or I, you know, that, that sounds hard, or you're never going to make it. It's what they're doing is all they're doing is they're, they're uh, projecting their own uh, failure and their own, um, their own mind, their own subconscious mind giving up immediately because you're doing something hard. And that's something you need to realize um, if you're looking at, looking at your fears. So fear of success means you're terrified of your life changing in a, in a positive way, you know, more money, more problems, as people say. But I'd be pretty stinking happy if I was pulling $150,000 a year doing this goofy stuff. I'll accept the problems. Um, so a lot of people get comfortable in their life. Like I have a buddy who, who's an entrepreneur. He's got a small company and he, he, uh, he's really happy where he's at. He's making good money. He could absolutely expand and make a lot more money and do a lot less work, but he's comfortable. He's like a pig in slop. He doesn't want to make that. He's scared of success. He's scared of that change. Um, and then the fear of failure just means you are so bothered by the thought of not being able to pull off whatever you're trying to do that you just give up before you try. And then imposter syndrome just means you don't feel like you're good enough to do whatever it is you're trying to do. So those are the four fears. 
And when you brought up that people will project their own uh, subconscious mind, their own fears onto you immediately, and the fact that we need to write these down and really sort of uh, unpack them, if you will, on why that particular fear is standing in our way. There's a part of that that you're going to have to segment out what's your fear, what's holding you back, you personally, and what's the fears that have been put onto you by other people. Right? Exactly. Yeah. If you're, if you're thinking about something and you're on the fence on it, you got to realize that your, your reticence and your hesitation falls into one of those four baskets. And once you write it down, it starts to become very stupid. And you start to look at it, you're like, I, I really shouldn't be bothered by this, you know? And, and I always look at upside downside, you know? So for example, um, I was thinking about creating this digital course um, and taking an ebook that hadn't sold very well. It was really good. It was huge, but I, I wasn't sure what to do with it and hadn't sold very well and just creating a course out of it, six week course. And I could have been scared of failure because I've written a lot of courses and ebooks that have sold nothing. But instead, um, I looked at upside downside. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Is it going to cost me any money? No, I've already got the, the content created and it's a free Facebook group. You know, it doesn't cost anything. What's the, what's the downside? Nobody joins and I lo lose some time. Who cares? What's the upside? I can make thousands of dollars. So that's an easy decision. Like that's an easy upside downside. And so I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to go for it. And I announced it. It's called the Destiny Project. In five days, I made $3,000. And uh, just people signing up left and right. I have a few people. I have somebody to just signed up today actually for the next iteration of it. So ultimately if you play upside downside and you get good at it, you can talk yourself out of your fears. You can talk yourself out of hesitation and you can talk yourself into keep, keep going just like the crucible. You did the crucible. I'm sure yep. you had some self-talk uh, going through that one. Dig deep. Okay, so when we write down these fears, you have been doing consults with people for how many years? I was a life coach originally. And so for like six years, I had no idea what I was doing. It's just when you get to the point where you look at things in such a different perspective that everybody comes to you for advice, mm -hmm. you eventually realize you have to be a coach. You have to be a mentor of some type. Um, and so that was my start. And I didn't know what to charge. I didn't have a formalized business model. I had, you know, I had a website, but essentially I went from a skateboarding company where I was selling goods to an actual life coaching company. Um, and that transitioned into the business strategy stuff. So I've been doing this advice for like 12 years. So just, in, those, yeah. in those 12 years and um, these four fears of success, have you ever encountered someone that their fear is founded? Like there's a true real obstacle that can't be, um, that can't be solved with the upside downside, that it's something that they truly need to work through before they go to the next level or they're just going down the wrong path. Some people need to quit. Um, and this is, this is the, this is where, uh, let me give you a perfect example, right? A guy came to me and he'd gotten in a situation where his company had hemorrhaged $70,000 over seven months. Um, he had a certain type of service and the hardware provider, sorry, software provider that he used, uh, one of the big ones, change something to where he couldn't provide the service. He like cut it down like 15% of what he's used to. So now all these clients are like, Hey, what the heck? And they're filing lawsuits. They're uh, doing chargebacks they're doing refunds. And this guy waited seven months to seek out a fix or to ask for help. He's a young guy. He's like early twenties. And so 
what ended up happening, he gets on the phone with me. I just offered him a free call. I'd seen him on my, my feed and I was just like, yeah, okay, we'll talk. I fixed his problem, Jacqueline, in 15 minutes from my smartphone. I'm not a tech guy. I just looked up the solution. F figured it out. He gets in touch with customer support. They give him a workaround. Oh, guess what? He's back up to 100%, but now he's lost $70,000. He's probably going to have to fire some employees. And now he's actually giving up that type of service and, and he's kind of just all over the place right now. But that's an example of when you need to quit. When you finally, your head's underwater, you're bleeding money, you pissed off everybody around you. Um, that's one example of where you shouldn't, you should actually give in to your fears because you're not going to be able to resurrect this like Frankenstein. The second is if the risk that you're taking puts your family in uh, potential financial straits, right? It's like betting. It's like starting a company and betting the, the mortgage money on uh, on a new product line and hoping you sell it. You don't want it. That that's a huge downside. So that's uh, uh, risk assessment is a very important thing for upside downside. And I think when a lot of people talk about business and they say the terms calculated risk, yeah. but they don't give you how to calculate that risk. What advice do you give for people? What's that formula? Well, there isn't, I don't believe there's a one size fits all. I, I believe in understanding uh, cause and effect and, and chain reactions. Mm -hmm. So if you got into it, let's say, let's say your business does really bad for a month. Are you going to be out in the street? Are you going to not be able to feed your kids? Are you going to be scraping by? Um, so calculated risk comes with worst case scenario versus best case scenario. That's what I would yeah. say. Taking a calculated risk right. to your personal situation and not just jumping off into the fear, into the unknown, and you are starting to unpack those fears, whatever that hesitation is. And that fear of success rears its ugly head. And that's the one that has me the most stumped. Where does that fear of success happen in most people that you encounter? Fear of success, and it's a very real fear because I know three people that got so famous so fast, almost overnight, I'll say four, it almost broke their companies. Like in one case, the one I just mentioned, it did break his company because he got super popular, but, and he wasn't ready for expansion. And then this thing hit him. But anyway, ultimately, um, in some cases, you can go literally to being an overnight sensation. And then all of a sudden, you have so many orders and so many people trying to hire you that if you're not ready for the expansion, if you're not ready to hire new employees or create a, a system, you're going to very quickly um, have a, blow your opportunity. And so fear of success really comes from the, the fear of uh, change in your life. Mm -hmm. So you know, what would happen, Jacqueline, if all of a sudden, like you got on stripes.com and then overnight, like Andrew O'Brien, a thousand people are trying to hire you or get, get with your show or make associations or whatever, you know, it's a, just a giant influx of attention. Like that's fear of success to where you, you envision like what happens and it's more than you can process and nobody should fear it. Really. It, it's you could, you control how much intake comes in. If you want to take a day off and go to the beach because there are 5,000 people want to freaking hire you, do it. But people need to understand, don't be, don't be scared of being overwhelmed. Just be, be ready to, uh, to grow. I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm going to call it right now. I am absolutely within 12 months going to be huge. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm looking at exponential growth. I'm looking at all the interviews I'm getting, the people in my network. It's, it's just, it's happening. Like it's the path I'm going on. I chose to make myself 
famous, visible, whatever you want to call it. Right. But eventually I'm going to get that one appearance that starts the chain reaction that starts the snowball and cracks it out of the park. So maybe like Les Brown mentions me on a tweet or like I get in uh, Air Force Times or something, but there's going to be that catalyst. I know this and I don't fear it. In fact, I look forward to it, but it's, um, it's something I'm ready for mentally. And so I think everyone should be ready for that moment and really strive forward to get to that moment. When we were talking, preparing for this interview and we were having our pre pre-game chat, we were talking about life and, and who you were going into business. And you described yourself as both logical and intuitive. And you use them in a, in a balance. And what you just said, you know, within 12 months, there's going to be a break for you. There's going to be something that takes you to that next level. How did you come to not just listen to your intuition, but trust it and build a plan around it, logically? I'm just at the point now where the momentum has carried me so far. I'm way past the point of no return. I can, I might take a temp job, you know, in the next month or two or whenever, let's say. There might be a temp job in my future for like three months, maybe a contract just till I, till I do hit it. But at the end of the day, like when I took that last temp job, I sat in my cubicle and I'm like, and I didn't mean this in an egocentric way. Like it's going to sound a little stuck up, but I'm just being honest. I sat there and I'm like, I'm more famous than anyone I work with. I've literally been interviewed a hundred times. Like I've spoken on Mark Cuban stage and here I am in a freaking cubicle um, with all these people. This isn't where I belong. Mm -hmm. And it was just funny because the very first day of that contract, I went out at lunch with a couple of coworkers, I went outside, made one phone call, made 1400 bucks and then had to walk back to my cubicle. I'm like, what the F am I doing? This what is, were you doing? I, I just, I just, at the time they offered me a lot of money. And, um, it was when I got back from the middle East and they're like, okay, we'll give you 50 bucks an hour, which is more than I've ever had. I bargained for it. I negotiated for it. And cause I'd done a really good job for them before. And on day five, I had a complete, it was when I had my nervous breakdown. So on day five, I just walked out and went to Balboa park and cried next to a tree because I was sleep deprived completely. Um, the point being is that I'm always going to have that gnawing hunger to make it on my own. I, I just will. So if I end up in a cubicle, if I take this temp job, whatever, it might happen just for stability for, you know, whatever. But at, at the end of my psyche, I, I, I know that I am, I am meant to walk this path to be the warrior strategist. It's, it's just, I'm too far gone. I'm too deep in the game. I love this shit too much. What does your logical planning look like? What do you do first when you, when you're being moved into, like you spent yesterday after, um, after we spoke yesterday, you spent the rest of the day strategizing. What's that very first planning exercise that you do? Or is it dependent on what you're planning for? Every week I have certain stuff I have to do like social media. So I preload all my social media. Um, that's the first thing. So like I said, we talked about the five activities yesterday that ultimately like a lot of us do like this one's specific to me though. So it was like, you know, social media outreach and, and client work and then recruiting new clients and then creative time and then trying to get big media, stuff like that. So ultimately I have to prioritize. I'm like, okay, what, what's my goal this week for productivity and what's my income goal? So if my income goal needs, if I need to make more money, 
and I'm getting near the end of the month and I'm trying to hit that goal, then I'm going to introduce a new program or I'm going to reach out to my warm leads. We're going to talk about that in the business tips. Um, so I'm going to do actions that stimulate sales. And the number one thing that stimulates sales that makes direct sales happen is calls. Just like I'm doing with you. Okay. I get on the phone, I figure out what somebody needs and I steer them towards a product or a service if they're receptive. So that's, that's how I just murder at sale calls. Um, I spend one day strategizing, usually Sunday, where I plan out what my social media is going to be, how I can upgrade my branding, and um, who I can reach out to in my network to take them further up the ladder of friendship and communication. So I've got a guy um, in my network. He, he was a millionaire by like 24, super successful. And so I took him up the ladder of friendship, and he, um, he's sent a lot of opportunities my way. He's promoted me. He's interviewed me. Like, we've got this good mutual thing going on. And he charges like $5,000 an hour and I get calls with him for free. And it's because I, I, I take a person, I develop the relationship with them and I, um, I create value for them on a higher level. And this is what a lot of people don't get in the entrepreneurial thing. They just jump in, they try and sell, 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 and they look desperate and they never worry about bonding or creating relationships. I do want to know what the rungs are on your ladder, on your ladder of friendship. So... When you first meet someone, and it's more, it's more the ladder of communication. And so what I mean by that is an entrepreneur should completely eliminate text-based communication. And so in my first ebook that I wrote, my business one called The Profitable Entrepreneur, um, I talk about the ladder of communication. At the very lowest rungs, you have email, Facebook Messenger, and texts. And all are wildly impersonal emotionless and don't convey body language. Right. These should be avoided at all costs. Then you've got video calls um, and then in-person meetings. So you need to take somebody up to that ladder. Okay. You and I are communicating well because we're making each other laugh and we're, you know, we can read our goofy facial expressions and your goofy cats jumping all over you. It's those little things. And so right. that makes us higher up on the ladder of communication. If you and I had just exchanged emails for a while, and didn't know what we looked like and all this stuff. And we just, just, you know, communicated that way. We would not have that, that rapport and that closeness. And so I always tell people, get them up the ladder of communication as fast as possible. Your ultimate goal, 15 minute video call. That's all you need. 15 minutes to read the other person. Um, it's just like a one-on-one -on -one and you get a, a feel of who they are, how they speak, their mannerisms. Are they crazy? You know, all this different stuff that you have to look for in business. And if it's going well and there's indicators of interest, then you take them, um, further to a sale or a joint partnership or something. And then in person is the best you can do. So right. that's the ladder. So the bottom rung is being, you know, Facebook messenger, text email, um, just the word. Is that what right now in, in entrepreneurship and, and business really that we're migrating over into the Facebook lives and all of that good stuff because we're trying to get further up quicker. And yes. is that, is that going is that going well for people? I mean, when I, when I look at Facebook lives, they all start out the same, even mine. Hey everybody, how's it going? Okay. We're going to give it a few minutes. Let people hop on. Like, <laughs> do you feel like that it's going to soon have to shift somehow to, so people can start differentiating? I think it's a matter of quality. Um, there are people that do Facebook lives well and there are people that are, do them quite poorly. 
And so when I created my veteran entrepreneur strategy guide, I actually devoted an entire page teaching people how to do Facebook lives. So they're not making these amateur mistakes. And so they're engaging and fun and interesting. So this is my entire guide for this. So it talks about how to, how to um, set it up, how to get people watching, like paying attention to VIPs in the network, um, the flow of the live, like all these different stuff. Because the worst thing in the world is seeing somebody do a live and all they've got is a blank wall behind them. It's poorly lit, bad resolution on their phone, and they're just kind of rambling. Hey guys, what's going on? Yeah, kids crying today. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about it works in a while. And then, you know, just some people do it poorly because they don't understand it's an art form. If you ever watch me do a Facebook live, mm-hmm. you're going to see like you can you can actually notice the pattern after a while. So mm-hmm. I have all these little things I do. First of all, I have a spicy headline that entices people to come in. If you watch my live, you're going to get some crazy training or you're going to learn how to make money or you're going to learn how I developed a crazy result, like selling out, a, uh, selling a five figure event. So I try and when I do a Facebook live, it's, it's always some type of um, really high yield training that someone can jump on like, shit, this is amazing. So spicy headline. Um, if you can tag five to 10 people that are in a, a, a related industry to whatever it is you're talking about, cause they're going to want to see it. Then you go on to Facebook Messenger and you got that whole chat box on the side that shows everyone that's online. Scroll through that, start tagging people because you know they're online. So, um, so now you've tagged five to 10 people and, uh, and then you just start the Facebook Live. Maybe you're offering a freebie, you know, free gift for watching, you know, um, so that gets people, people going. You start the Facebook Live, you, um, on your backdrop, because you're not allowed to say it or it kills the algorithm apparently, but you on your backdrop, you write share or tag with two people. So that gets people tagging other people. It's just, it's just chain reaction and they're sharing all this shit. You go through it, you recognize your VIPs, you get through your content, you answer a couple questions. At the end of it, you give a freebie and then you uh, have a call to action. So, hey guys, if you want to know more about the Veteran Entrepreneur ebook, you know, and uh, getting your, your weekly planner and your Facebook posts and all this different stuff, just comment ebook and I'll come back and I'll, I'll uh, get in a call with you. We'll talk about it. Um, so that's your call to action. Hey guys, you know what? Want to know more about this? Here's the page. So ultimately you have your headline, you got your tags, you have your content, your freebie, call to action, and mm-hmm. then you recognize your VIPs. All these little things, right? So every time I do a Facebook Live, it's a production. It's not yeah. just jumping on and randomly talking, strategized. Right. And it is a production because I've watched your Facebook lives and you do have that pattern all the time. If you're getting into working through fear of success and I'm just imagining someone that is going to take your advice and strategize their next Facebook live, I feel like you're going to start seeing a lot of fear of judgment being bubbled up and imposter syndrome. So what are some of the remedies that someone can do so that doesn't get conveyed on camera. Yeah, it's, um, so you're talking about, let's say you do a Facebook live and someone's just throwing you shade or making accusations or just giving you shit. Or you're just timid. You're, you're timid as you're, as you're talking. It's not convincing. It's not as energetic as it should be. Um, some people have those naturally like they're soft spoken or they're kind of mellow. And and that's, uh, that's a personality type issue and an issue with, uh, projection. And so, Mm -hmm. um, when I do a Facebook live in the morning, I'm usually, it's like my optimal state, right? I've just woken up. I've just had a cold shower. I'm, I'm downing like my first half cup of coffee and my Facebook lives in the morning are wild. I sound like I'm on meth and I'm super excited to see people. I'm super happy and shit. Um, 
you need to work on what I call camera, camera presence. And so when you're getting interviewed, you have to speak in a certain speed. You have to have a certain tonality, a certain volume. Um, it's how to capture attention. So people that are timid or kind of mellow, they, what, what would benefit them is reaching out to their friends saying, hey, can you watch this real quick? I recorded this 30-second video on YouTube. I just want you to see it and tell me if I'm, if I'm boring when I speak. And then, you know, your friends will shoot you, honestly. They'll tell you what's going on. So the, the name of the game here is you need to enhance yeah. your strengths, right? And let those shine through. You need to strengthen any weaknesses or anything that's, um, that's shading that. But how do you define, because, right, there's this very big push right now about authenticity, yeah. Let your real life shine through, exactly who you are shine through. Um, if it's in a perfectly packaged presentation, it's not going to be as believable. We want authenticity. And, but at the same token, on the other side of that, everybody's talking about your brand and you have to create your brand and you have to design your brand and it needs to be consistent. How do you reconcile authenticity with brand? We're not the same people all the time and every single day. I love that. I love that question, that concept. Um, so yeah, there's, there's two sides to me and, um, and I do have to walk back and forth and it's, it's doubly hard because I have mentors in my life that reach out to me and they're like, you need to step it up. You need to dress nicer. You know, don't wear t-shirts when you do lives, you know, stop wearing baseball hats, like all this stuff. Your, your education isn't following your message. So that's people that want me to up level and look like Grant Cardone, like a guy that just wears a suit every day. But that's not me. That's not the Warrior Strategist brand. People hire me because I'm a crazy fuck. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. Like, I, I really, that's, and then that, that gets on the other spectrum where they want to work with a guy that's super fun, that watches Macho Man Randy Savage videos and uh, likes X-Men movies, you know. And, and when I do my writing and I write personal posts, I talk about that stuff and the silliness of my life and emotion and, and how I never really grew up and, and so that's what attracts people. It humanizes me. It's like when you hear Tony Robbins drop an F-bomb or talk about a crazy story. Like there's a video I saw that was hilarious. He was just talking about how he's leaving one of the sessions. And this guy said that, that uh, he'd gone to a seminar and tripled his business. Tony's like, oh, that's great. You know, what's your, what's your, your business? And the guy goes, I'm a pimp. <laughs> and then just hearing a story like that, that humanizes someone, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, you're, you're, I, I love that you're bringing up this concept because we are torn between the desire to maintain a professional brand that is always perfect and always flawless and, you know, versus us being human and us being compassionate and letting the curtain down a little bit and letting, letting people see that, oh yeah, once in a while I am a hot mess. So for example, like Saturday, two Saturdays ago, I had a breakdown, like a good one. Um, I just had a crap day. I was trying to figure out money. You know, I didn't get paid from Korea yet. And, and you know, cause I'm a reservist. So you got to file paperwork and all this stuff. And then I was trying to collect money from a client. Just all this stuff. I had like four situations I was dealing with and trying to get to MIC as well. And then I just had this awful day. And so I went into my Facebook group and I just wrote a post about it. And I was really honest. I'm just like, look, if you, if you're bothered that I'm going to write some honest stuff, leave the group. You know, it's not always fucking sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes I have bad days. It's like everybody else. I'm, I have to be the cheerleader of the group though and keep people going. So I very rarely um, vent or bitch. And then the culmination of the day was I finally just said, I need to have one thing go right today. And so I went and saw Spider-Man and I swear to God, Jacqueline, I don't know if you heard the story or not, but I, I, did. 
Okay. So you know what happened? Like you, you kind of lost your shit. <laughs> the guy shows up. Yeah. This guy shows up just randomly. I'm sitting there in the corner of my flask and this guy shows up randomly 30 minutes in the movie with four shopping bags and starts loudly eating and talking to himself. And finally I was just like, fuck this. I'm out. And I, I talked to a manager, had him kicked out and just left. I just, I was done. Oh my gosh. But you posted that to a Facebook group. Do you segment who you show what to? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like, you say that like it, everybody should know it. Not everybody does. <laughs> um, yeah. This, if you don't have, what if, what if you don't have group segments yet? What a, what a good, um, good question, first of all. So this is the way I look at it. So LinkedIn, most of my Air Force unit is on there. So I, I have to be very professional. I can't talk bad about anybody. I can't yeah. talk about anything military-wise. Like it's all got to be very um, upbeat and very high level right? Like I said, LinkedIn is my side piece. I don't care about it. So my Facebook group, I can talk about um, stuff related to the military. Like this, mm -hmm. this sucks. This is going on. Um, this guy did this and I never identified details, but I can get, I kicked out everybody from my reserve unit out of my group. And, and so nobody knows anything. Um, Facebook main is, uh, uh, I, I know that there are eyes on my stuff. And so once in a while, like, people will reach out to me and, and they'll be like, Oh yeah, I saw your post and blah, blah, blah. And, and that reminds me that I do have this segment. I do have to be careful what I'm talking about. And I, I do take the stuff in my Facebook group on a way more personal level with people. And we, we, that's what I like about the group is that we have that relationship. You have to, you have to set the, make sure you're setting those boundaries. You know, if right. I went on Facebook today and I wrote, I can't take it anymore. You know, I love you guys. It's been great knowing you. I wrote that, you know, if I wrote that today, there would be a fucking shit storm of people reaching out. Now, my phone would be ringing, Kaufman would be sending me hotlines, you know, all these people would, would be trying to help and talk me, talk me down off the, off the ladder. And so your words are important. You have, to, you have to understand cause and effect. So that could be the bridge between authenticity and brand. It's syntax. Could be, yeah. Sometimes you go one direction, sometimes you go other. The greatest branding coach I've ever known was Dezislava Dobriva. And took her course. And sometimes she touts the high-end portion of her brand and the achievements she's done. She has fancy pictures of her. And then other times she writes about what it was like being in a restaurant, being berated by the restaurant owner, you know, making $2 an hour and being told she was never going to amount to anything. She does, she's perfectly leverages both ends. Mm. But so yeah, that's the, that's the difference um, between the two. And uh, I think it's important for business owners to understand to understand the um, when to do little of both. Right. Sometimes it's mood. Do you want to be fancy or do you want to be real? Can you, you can be both. Absolutely. Sometimes I'm real fancy. So your tactical CEQ course. Yeah. It's a six-week course. It's about audience building. What else is CEQ? First, what does CEQ stand for? CEQ celebrity expert quotient. And so what that means in English is do people recognize you for what you do? Hmm. And I was driving along one day and I realized that this entire time I've been marketing myself as an expert when I should have been marketing myself as a business celebrity. And there's, there are very specific actions because when you market yourself as an expert, you're in the pool with everybody else. You are fighting the other experts. You're fighting your competition. When you market yourself as a celebrity that happens to be an expert, 
like the, the influencer strategy, then all of a sudden you become popular. You get a lot of interviews, people see you everywhere and they automatically want to buy from you. Um, just cause the, the cool factor. So once I started like really tapping into this as a legit theory, um, I started focusing on the actions between experts and the actions between celebrities and I isolated them both. And I realized some are tapping into both of them. Um, but it started to pay off. So I focused more on the viz side. I focused more on getting on stage and getting interviews, being aggressive, like, Hey, I'd, I'd love to you know, be on your show, blah, blah, blah. And, and portraying that side of myself to, and, and guest, uh, doing guest trainings in big groups. Right. Right. And then, uh, associating with higher level people like Stephen Kuhn or the, the Dr. Stephen Kalaluhis or, you know, even Andrew O'Brien, like all these people, whenever I'd meet somebody that had a good following, I'd make sure to get pictures with them and then tell their story. So I realized that if you just do four things with your business, you can become a business celebrity. You can become the Dr. Phil or the Dave Ramsey or the, uh, you know, uh, what's her name? Suze Orman or whoever that's known for, you know, that's known in their industry. And those four things became tactical CEQ. So strategic social media, teach your industry, recruit celebrities, and then um, interviews, media interviews. You do those four things, apply it to any business, um, and you're going to have a ton more sales. And so that's what tactical CEQ is. What about for those that want to be experts in their industry? Um, not so much celebrities. They're not comfortable in that center stage. So they're in the Red Sea, right? Yeah. They're, they're in with all the other sharks. What? what then what happens to them because there will be only a few that will get the, the market segment that they're going after. It's a, that's a great question because some people are naturally shy and some people are naturally introverted. Um, there are people that if you look at their business model, you'll never see their face. Like you don't know what their face looks like. And this is the number one thing I tell people when I'm reviewing their stuff and I give them the business diagnostic is if I can't see you, then your audience can't see you. And we don't buy from websites, we buy from people. Mm. And so I make them definitely rethink. And I've, I've had a lot of, over 10, over 10 business owners, I've had, um, I, I've given them like little facelifts, uh, digital facelifts where I, I teach them, look, your audience needs to see you in your capacity. Otherwise, all you are is just, you're hiding behind a website and you're wondering why you have low sales. Because the intuitive thing for people to do when they get into business ownership, especially veterans, is they put up the website, maybe they get the little product line and then they just take out Facebook ads and then they might hire somebody to do their SEO, which is the biggest mistake ever at early stage. Um, and by doing that, all they're doing is just adding another online shop. Well, guess what? There, there are a million and a half people doing that already. How are you standing out? So another alternative, instead of investing money in Facebook ads and SEO experts, it would be better spent if I'm hearing you correctly to if you're not going to be comfortable being the face then you need to hire a face could that work that's one that's a great solution and um, I think you're really smart for observing that and that's something I tell people as well so I was I had one guy I was working with on a consulting call and I, I said that exact thing I said either you need to be the face of the company or you need to pick someone who's going to be the face of the company because I'm going to put them everywhere and, and so whoever this person is, they've got to be comfortable. They've got to be a good speaker. They've got to be charismatic. They've got to be, um, um, interesting. And so that's, that's always a good strategy. If you're not going to be the face, find a face. It's a good sales rep. Brick and mortars have been doing it for years. Yep. Sales is essential. Yeah. 
whether you're doing service or product, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there are different strategies for service or product. And we're right. going to touch on that. Actually, I'm going to give you guys some good, uh, good uh, strategies for both. So yeah. very custom stuff. Well, and I just want to share, and if you don't want me to share, I guess I can power edit this out on post-production. But yesterday we spent, it was done. And I love your style because we were done interviewing and you were like, okay, you got a moment? And you just hit hard. I mean, you put me like interrogation, like what are you doing? What is happening? Why aren't you moving? Um, and I'm one of those that fear of success. We definitely found that bucket. And you said, fine, this is what I'm going to do. And you posted a comment, tagged me in it. You, you left me no choice. It was kind of a boot camp. You were <laughs> I like, you going to do it. Yeah, you did. Um, you were like, this is happening. Sink or swim. Yeah. I, but, I, I threw you in the pool like the Marines with the diving boards. Full rock. It was, I absolutely respond very well to that. And here's the thing that I want people listening that have not reached out to you, have not worked with you, don't have a history one-on-one uh, -on -one with you. You did not leave. You were supposed to go somewhere. You were supposed to be socializing, which is part of your uh, balance plan for this year. But yeah. you didn't leave my side for three and a half hours. You were coaching that entire time, which is amazing. It was, it was important to do something I call demonstration of power. And this is a, this is a big one that I teach for people. Once in a while, you have to kind of, you know, you, you have to show what you're capable of. And so what better way to reward somebody that, you know, gave me this amazing interview than to kind of show you the power of my network and to kind of create that invisible paycheck. How many deals have you closed now since yesterday? Uh, I have one closed, one pending, and three in the pipeline. Okay, yeah, because I had a few people private message me as well, like, hey, what's up with this Marine? You know, what's, what's up with this deal? Um, and so I've done this probably, <laughs> this should be a service I, I offer or something, because I've done this three times now. And so it's just, that's the power of force multipliers, the power of your audience. And so that's, uh, demonstration of power is a good thing. Like at least twice a month, you should do it in a post or in a live demonstration or something, showing people like what it's like working with you. Congratulations, oh. Jacqueline. That's what it's like. <laughs> it, it is fast lane results driven. Seriously, within minutes, fast lane results driven. And something that because you're coaching and you're, you're right there, um, carpooling with the person that you've just decided to do 120, um, down the, down the freeway with yeah. now it can be replicated. Totally, totally spoke with the, the failure of success because you, you, sh you show, you showed that you worked through it. Yeah. For people that are not signing up for people that are not working with you. I mean, I just feel like it's a, it's a low risk, high reward to work with you. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I put safeguards in motion, which is why I have a perfect client record. You cannot find a complaint about me online. There are no ripoff reports. There's no better business bureau. There's nothing. And it's because I, I have a perfect client resolution process. So I interview people before we ever talk money, first of all, just to make sure I can solve their problem or I can work with them or my skill sets, what they need. And then if they're a good fit, we put a contract together, first a proposal, then a contract, and then we just go for it. And if they're ever, I write refund clauses in any contract over 500 bucks. 
um, so that they can punch out if they need to, you know, it's never happened, but it's, it's, uh, it's always good to uh, be able to have that choice. And then um, I just, just keep going. I, I want to make a good experience with every single person I work with. And if I don't get the results, I'll give them their money back. And so you cannot beat that. <laughs> and you formed up that plan before, before you even took off. Like you, you were loosely planning A to Z. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I just, I look at, I look at all the complaints that people have about influencers and gurus and some of these programs out there and fake experts. And I just want to do the opposite. And I want to be, I've got my clients singing my praises and that's what I want. Ultimately, I, I am very, very driven on results because at the end of the day, I could sell people, 10 people in my program. If they don't get the results they, they want or need or aren't bragging about it, then I haven't done my job and I can't use that for future client attraction. Right. Right. But when I take somebody like Jennifer Shaw and she goes through tactical CEQ and then she creates this yoga program and sells like $2,000 in two weeks and then almost sells out her event, that that's tangible result, you know? And that's, that's, that's why I like working with people is I push them out of the comfort zone. I make, I kick them out of the nest and make them get that result, whether it's selling a lot or creating a product or throwing an event or like Patrick Kirby, writing a freaking Amazon uh, number one bestseller, you know, uh, the day it comes out. So it's just, it's just all these results have been really good and I've gotten better at my stuff, my craft. It requires a little bit of agility, but you can't have an agile, you can't have an agile approach to planning your business, but you have to be, you have to practice agility in a formulated plan. It's, it's both. I love that you brought that up because it's both some foundational stuff like when I diagnose someone's business, I do the same thing every time. That's mm-hmm. foundational. Like that's never going to change. But you're right. Agility means thinking fast and adapting. Like Marines say, adapt, overcome. Uh, improvise, adapt, overcome. Probably got that backwards. But uh, it, it's looking at a situation and like, okay, well, this went to shit. Why? What do we do now? That's a natural talent, do you think? It's not a learned skill. It's, some of it's experience. Um, some of it is Rob-centric. Rob Mm-hmm. It's, I just look at stuff. Maybe it's low grade autism. Maybe it's the amount of caffeine in my system, whatever. I just have a different way of looking at stuff. Um, and that's why a lot of corporate people, like people are really rigid. They wear suits every day. They, they despise me because I'm asymmetrical. It's, it's, it's like hiring the craziest green beret you've ever met. Just the person that sees resources and tactics and, and can create stuff, but he's not going to sit in a meeting for three hours with you talking about corporate projections and spreadsheets and, 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 you know, earned revenues and all that shit. Cause they will be asleep in the corner or like trying to hit on a secretary. Like it's just, I'm just one of those guys. I have to have like consistent simulation. Like I have to be doing something. You make them uncomfortable. Those that have to plan to plan to have a plan and then to plan for the execution, you make them uncomfortable. Yeah. Because too many of us are surface thinkers. And what I mean by that is we, a lot of us just gauge by our first impression of someone without actually taking the time to eat, work with them, getting a call, like find out what their story is. It's very easy to look at me and just assume I'm stupid because I, I dress like a tow truck driver for God's sakes. Like I'm not polished. Right. But if you Google me, then all of a sudden the story unfolds a little bit more and they're like, Oh wow, this guy actually has accomplished some stuff. And that's why, that's why um, I much prefer working with entrepreneurs than corporate. Would I take a corporate gig? Probably if it paid well, but, but those personalities, they, they hate me. That's okay. Right. And if you're doing a startup, you need someone like you. 
because you don't have the luxury of, of time to plan because you don't have the overhead and the revenue behind you to support you while you go through that very traditional, slow method approach. So you have to hire and you have to engage someone like you to learn how to navigate and think quick and make quick decisions in a, in a framework plan, but that, uh, you know, the agility of it all so that you can build up that revenue and maybe slow things down in it two years, three years, four years, but it definitely can happen in year one. You're, you'll just, you'll die. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How many businesses have you seen die in year one for lack of movement? Ones that I was close to, just one. Um, and, it, and it just got resurrected, and I'm happy to see it. It was Southpaw with J.D. Turney. Mm. And he, uh, he went out of his way to teach people the, the lessons he learned in failure. And he turned it into a positive for everybody around him because the guy had an amazing product. He did laser engraving. Um, he engraved for a couple of my clients, like some, some real like custom-branded stuff. But he just, like a lot of vets especially, he didn't pay attention to the marketing, the social media. Mm-hmm. And then he wasn't getting enough orders. He wasn't charging enough. It was, and he was just learning these nuances. And then eventually he just had to fold and take a job back to the oil rig. And so now he just started doing these hats for everybody. He did what he did the, this one right here. And um, he's, he's coming back and now Southpaw can be a thing. Well, that goes right into the uh, fear of judgment. When you make a comeback, you have to tackle that fear straight away. And is transparency always a good approach in that if you're trying to make a comeback or if, or if, you know, you have to pick up maybe some residual of the failures that took you down in the first place? Yeah, you do have to be transparent. You can't, um, you can't sugarcoat. You can't make up. Uh, you can't embellish. Just, just tell people what's going on. They respect that honesty. So for the people in the back, to build trust, you've got to <laughs> lay it out there on the table. No one's going to judge you. And if they do, they're, that's their problem. Mm. Um, you know, I, I always tell people I'm not, I, I don't even have a six figure company yet. I'm getting close, but I, I'm not like a millionaire. I'm not like some crazy dude on a yacht. I'm not dating supermodels yet. I, I just, I am successful, but I always let people know exactly where I'm at. I don't need the lifestyle marketing bullshit. I don't need to pretend to be something I'm not. Yes. I wear fancy watches. Yes. I go to events sometimes. Um, yes, I do rub elbows with some famous people, but it's, it's never, I never want to be that guy that like puts up that fake Instagram influencer lifestyle bullshit. Walking into some open houses, trying to sneak in some photos. Exactly. Like going to the Jaguar dealership and like closing <laughs> next to the hood. Oh, I finally made it. You know, I'm all about that entrepreneur life. Oh, shut up. You're a valet. Get out of here. I like your honesty. I like your forthright. I like that you shoot from the hip. I like that. And it, it Ironically, a lot of people would think it would have the opposite effect of what it does and what it, but what it truly does is it puts things at ease. It makes things seem like they're not that big. It's not that big of a mountain to climb. It's not out of reach. Yeah. I I like the fact that I I feel like I'm approachable. That's what people tell me a lot. It's like, Hey man, you're really down to earth. You know, you're, you're an interesting cat. And I, I, I always appreciate that because with some people that get to a certain level, they get uh, distant and they get frosty and they get boring and unfun. And that's never going to be me. Like, so I take, I take business lessons from everyday life and sometimes it's from stupid stuff and it's a lot of fun. And that's why people I think enjoy my content because I have that creativity. Yes. And 
you have the real world experience to back it up. Yeah. Like you are quick. You are real quick to say, here are my successes or here's my accomplishments. Sometimes you do have to toot your own horn, especially if people need convincing. And I don't go out of my way to try and convince people. I don't care. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to spend more than five minutes trying to convince somebody that I'm however smart they need me to be, or I'm, you know, this person in their head. Cause a lot of people are skeptical. What about those experts that are, they're just wanting business. So they're going to bend. They're trying to put it out in front of people like, for you, it's free. For you, I'm only going to charge $2 or $5 or whatever that is. Is that your strategy? No. Long-term studies have shown, and I've learned this personally, that the couponers and the nickel and dimers are the biggest pains in the ass uh, clients you can have. Those are what I call pitas for pain in the ass. Um, when you start off in business and you're desperately trying to pay your freaking light bill, you will discount your stuff. You will say, you know, I'm going to put a program together for $199 and I'll work with you for two months. And the people that jump on that, first of all, they'll complain about even that price. So automatically, when you get somebody balking at price, you know they're going to start complaining about a lot of stuff. And the worst people are the ones that buy a course or buy some training from you. They don't do any of the work. They don't get the result. And then now they complain that it's your fault and your stuff doesn't work, right? Those are, those are the, the bottom, like the couponers. I'm, the reason I'm offering a significant discount like, to, like uh, today is just because it's Labor Day. Um, I don't offer discounts on anything. My, my prices are very, very solid and they go up uh, periodically because I believe in something called opportunity cost. So for example, tactical CEQ, I launched it in January. It was 645 bucks. One person signed up for it, Patrick Kirby. Um, he's gone on to write that Amazon book, the Amazon bestseller. He sold out several events. He's made a lot of money and he's on board for the tactical CEQ live event I'm doing in October. But point being, he signed on at that rate. All these other people, I had like seven people that were like, oh, I want to get in on this. This is great, blah, blah, blah. But when launch day comes out and I'm tagging them in posts and I'm reaching out to them, crickets, right? Right. So what happens after I get Kirby all these results and he kicks ass? Well, I raised the price to 900 bucks. And now um, all those people that didn't jump on the offer, they're going to have to pay more money. And so now taxable CEQ costs 2,000 bucks and I make no apologies for it. Because my graduates are doing these awesome things. As your results increase, so should your prices. As your brand value and recognition increases, so should your prices. Understanding the value of what I do and the results of what I can do, that's why I'm constantly raising prices about stuff. Because when you're in demand, when you're getting these consistent results for people, that's when it's time to up level. And that's how you build your brand. Did you ever, when you started out, were you ever a spaghetti thrower at the wall? Let's see what sticks. Yeah, that was my biggest problem like year one is that I was very, very general. So essentially when someone hires me, they're hiring a PhD that just understands how to get from A to Z very, very effectively. And so I had to narrow that down. I had to find my niche for the first year because I was throwing spaghetti at the wall. I was, I was offering business guides, but not really anything of, of tangible substance. Like my, my early business guides weren't bad, but they were more just uh, very generic. They were, mm. they weren't specific techniques. They were a lot of, of what versus how. Oh. And so one thing I tell people, if you want to make a lot of money, you give away what and you sell how. And most people will never understand the difference in that. What and is the difference? That's the biggest robism, right? <laughs> so the difference between what and how is how you present information, Jacqueline. So mm -hmm. 
What is an idea? How is a process? There's a lot of people out there selling the what's. Yep. There are so many people are going to have this light bulb listening to this because this is the one thing that people don't understand is the difference between what and how. And, and once you get it, that's when you start making real money because that's when you start to realize, hey, I've been giving away how when I should have been using what is the preview yeah. and then selling the shit out of how yeah. because I'm the only one that knows how. The big thing about this is you truly need to be an expert to have longevity. You truly need to understand the how. You need to be able to implement the how and show that it works. Yeah, you have to be able, you have to, be able to go for the long term. And, and I see it every single day in my Facebook feed. Everyone sees it. Uh, all these fake experts uh, taking out Facebook ads and then you Google them and there's no presence. There's nothing, you know, because what a lot of people do is they just create an offer, put out a, a very poorly made shit course or product, and then they just spam Facebook ads. And then what this does is it's a lot of sales short term. So they'll probably gin up a couple thousand dollars or if they have a good click funnels, you know, 40, 50,000, they're never going to get a second customer. They're never going to get a return uh, repeat sale. It's just a one night stand and they're going to get a lot of refunds. And so versus the person that takes their time, makes something good, creates a connection with the audience and then gets hired over and over again. That's the difference. That's relationship marketing. Through your services, through your offers, you're providing that. You're providing that mirror, that assessment and the house. First thing I do when somebody hires me is I do a full diagnostic review. And I asked two questions. Uh, is your offer clear? And would I buy from you if I was your audience and didn't know you? And by asking those two questions, um, you, you create the plan for improvement for the client. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to Google them to see where their audience sees them. And then I'm going to check their Facebook personal page, not the business page, the personal page. And there better be alignment. Because trust me, I'm like Sherlock Holmes on a personal page. Like I'm looking for like eight benchmarks and most people don't have them <clears throat> because if you go on someone's personal page and there's no link to their website, there's no indication of what they do. All their pictures are silly shit like mountains or their car. Um, and they have, and their, their social media postings uh, are all just a jumbled hot mess mm -hmm. and they're not, inducing sales properly because what's the first thing our audience does? They look us up on Facebook and they Google us. So we, be we better bring it and we better, it better be real clear. If you go on my Facebook personal page right now, you're going to see a collage of pictures of me in my capacity, either teaching, speaking, uh, working with clients, whatever. You're going to see me with some influencers. You're going to see a link to my website. You're going to see a tagline tells what I do. And then my Facebook posts are all strategic. They all have an expected desired result. I don't just go on there. Like maybe 10% can be silly. And I teach this in Taxi EQ. I teach the percentages, right? Mm -hmm. So you want a percentage that are recos of other people. So you can get cross promotion for free. You want uh, open-ended questions that gather data for you in a positive way that sometimes you can monetize, right? So if you were to go on your Facebook right now and you were to write the question, who do you know that has a business podcast? Take all those answers, put them in an ebook. Boom. You've just monetized an ebook and you sell for 97 bucks. But that's one of my favorite things in Taxi yeah. Is to show them like the 20 different types of posts, how to psychologically uh, wield emotion, and then how to do this to create a result. So, for example, there's there's an art to writing posts, and most people suck at it, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. so if you go on my timeline, you look at my writing, you look at my engagement, just like with the Facebook Lives, there's a strategy there. 
And after a while, you start to see patterns. You're like, oh, Rob did that because Rob expects this to happen. Rob tagged these people because they're probably on his influencer list. And now he's going to get more engagement. Uh, Rob asked this question so that he could get clients. All of it strategic. Never any politics, never any divisive issues, never anything that wastes time or creates a necessary conversation. I'm very, very deadly at what I do. Yes. And you're very natural at it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's taken some time and, and, and practice, but it's, uh, it's definitely paid off. This shows I'm making an impact and it shows that that growth is happening. You know, we talked about a, um, inevitable future. Mm-hmm. And I'm on that, I'm on that path. And so that's why I'm, I'm I can tell you right now, this is what I'm going to do. And I will blow up in the next like 14 months. It's just, it's just happening. And I'm, I'm doing everything to foster that. It's, yeah, it's going to happen. And everything that we've talked about and those tips behind you, your CEQ course, all of that, do they get those 10 tips in the CEQ course? Um, no, these are actually custom for you. So this is some stuff, some of it's real specific, some of it's nice to have. Um, like I said, tactical CEQ is very, very specific. So it's mm-hmm. those four areas we talked about, then it's audience building. And then on the side, I teach media interviews. Because that's, that's a, every week I have to teach something different with media interviews because it's such a, a, a complicated process. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to go over the 10 tips? Yes, I do. All right. Feel free to ask questions, interrupt me if uh, anything's not clear. So these are tips that will work for anybody's business. Um, these are just concepts that I was thinking of in all the different programs and clients and stuff that I've done. Uh, the first one is be the face of your company. And you and I talked about this earlier So when I go to a website and there's no about me, there's no CEO profile, there's no our story. Ultimately you've just, you're hiding behind a website and it's very impersonal. It's very cold. You're going to lose sales. Mm -hmm. Um, My buddy Chaz Hickox who owns CrossFit Outfitters, Crossbone Outfitters. uh, He had a bio that had a picture of him, his entire family. He talked about being like a, an army guy, he talked about family life, what he does for fun, like all this stuff is very, very, um, it was very endearing. And so if you go on my website, like I've got a bio just talking about my struggles and the stuff I've done, but I'm a very visible face of my company, but I'm also the brand. And so even if you're a goods-based company and you, um, you don't think you have to be the face or you're just like, eh, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. you need to. You absolutely need to be doing Facebook lives. You absolutely need to be growing your friends list. You absolutely need to put yourself out there in a positive light so that people recognize you. Mm-hmm. Because right away, something interesting happens when I go live. When you watch me do Facebook lives, I know 80% of the people that are watching me and I will always bring them into the story or I will always promote them or I'll always say something personal about them. And now you're going to look for this. But I do this because it gives personalization. It gives people a reason to hang out. Um, and I create opportunities sometimes because I introduce people to each other that can help each other. And so you need to be the face of your company so that people recognize you. And so that familiarity kicks in after three times, they're like, Oh, it's Rob the warrior strategist. You know, I wonder what he's up to. Like maybe I should hire him. So that's number one. Number two is post with purpose. We just got done talking about that. So instead of wasting your time, spending three hours arguing with some nose ring, pink haired teenager from Berkeley about gun control, um, focus on having a deliberate result or desired result, course of action for all your social media posts. Mm-hmm. Um, everything should have a purpose. And if it, it, and then a little bit of silliness, sometimes audience connection, but everybody can make a very basic social media plan without a lot of effort and get wild, wild results. So just by focusing on cross promotions, 
open-ended questions that gather data for some type of purpose, uh, family stories, telling the story of a client or customer. Yeah, th those are the big ones. Those are the, the main ones that people should do. Uh, number three, warm leads list. So anytime you and I talked about yesterday about the four outcomes of a sales call, potential outcomes versus the two that most people are trucking off of, um, you should always have a warm leads list of the people to show interest in your stuff. That's the soft nose. I've gone back numerous times, reviewed the warm leads list, tagged somebody in a post, close the sale. And it's just, it's part of my invisible paycheck theory. That's one of the ways I did this a couple weeks ago. I was talking about four ways that you can make, make sales happen in a very short amount of time because almost nobody keeps a warm leads list. Jacqueline, right. you really think you're going to remember the person that says, Hey, I want to be a sponsor of your podcast. Do you think you're going to remember them like three weeks from now? If they don't, no, but I did make a list, right? You, you made the list, right? So now yes. you know these people, you know, their intent. And if they don't sign with you today or tomorrow, you know that you can reach out to them in two months. Hey, I've got this offer, especially yeah. for boom, warm leads list. So number four is make a compendium. Compendium is just a centralized, uh, centralized source of data where you write down certain specific things. My compendium, um, has a list of the influencers in my network. I have 5,000 people in my Facebook list. Uh, probably mm -hmm. 400 of them are very, very successful. So these are all people that either own media, they've been on TV, they're millionaires. Um, they, they all have something very special about them. They're very hot. They're like the advanced high performers. And so by having this list, anytime I'm about to release a product or, you know, do a, do something where I want more eyes on the prize, I'll look at this list and pick five people that are somehow associated with it. You need a compendium so that you can write down your, your VIP list, your influencer list. And most people would benefit from this a lot instead of trying to remember everything. Trust me. So make a compendium, just an easy reference guide that's next to your desk that you carry with you. Um, that's got all your stuff. So for example, somebody hires me, here's like 22 ways that you can get a sale from any service or product. You think that's valuable? Yeah. One day I start cranking them down paths to purchase, right? So if somebody hires me, they get access to the paths of purchase. And I just pull out the compendium. I'm like, okay, uh, Jacqueline, you just released this program, how to create a high view podcast. So you can do a Facebook post, you can do an event, a live event to pitch it. Um, you can do it on your Facebook feed, you can do it to your email list, you can do a testimonial to conversion, someone that's worked with you, and then it becomes a conversion. So compendiums are awesome, because you don't want to remember everything, you just want to have access to it. So number five, uh, service-based industry. So if you do have a service versus goods-based, the initial focus should be on results for your clients or customers where you um, really focus on the outcome, right? So in my case, like people made money working with me. They created a course or a digital product. So you focus on that. Then you raise your branding. So better photography, better social media, uh, better higher in things that you're documenting. That's, that's all part of your brand, like your, your personality, your message, your company. Then you raise your price. So your service-based industry should always have those three things. Focus on results, improve your branding, raise your price. As long as you have better and better results, you can justify a price increase. Okay. Goods base, focus on bundles or membership packages because I see too many people out there trying to sell like $20 widgets, getting like one or two sales, but it's not consistent. But if you have like a membership package where somebody's getting something every single month and they're contractually obligated, that's money every single month. Um, and if you want to create a bundle package where you're selling three, four, five things all together, and that's, always have a high roller package, always. 
And that's the market trend that we're seeing right now with the subscription boxes. Like that is the, the demand. Yeah, it's great. Subscription boxes are awesome. It's, it's perfect because if you buy stuff in big quantities, you get a discount, bulk discount. So I always tell people if they have a goods-based business, have premium products, have a few things that are upper level, like in price, because if you're just trying to sell $20 products, it's a lot harder to sell a lot of a low priced item than just a few medium or high priced items. Like mm -hmm. if six people enroll in tactical CEQ, that's $12,000 and you figure I can upsell two of them to one-on-one. -on -one, so that's 7,000 uh, plus like five times two, it's, it's 17,000. And so ultimately have a premium uh, product or good or service, but don't sell low cost shit. Just, just don't, you don't want that client base. You don't want to deal with all, all the troubles. Um, always have something that's higher end because people want to, some people want to drive the Maserati. Right. Have multiple income streams. Every single person should be monetizing their skill set, even with a goods based business. Okay. Let's okay. say that somebody gets out of the army and they start a gas mask company, right? Okay. And all they're selling is gas masks. So what they can do, they can create a three-part video series on either how they branded their gas masks, how they set up distribution channels, how they started their company, whatever. And they're selling the, a process, like they're selling a course, right? Everybody can make money, even if they're doing some certain industry that's kind of niche, uh, selling courses, selling eBooks, selling consulting calls. Mm -hmm. um, but always have multiple streams of income coming in from different ways. So if you're not, if you're selling physical goods, I mean, you can always start a private Facebook membership group. You can always start a seminar and sell it. You can always do a live event and sell tickets. Like, mm -hmm. but there, there's 20, 30 ways you can monetize uh, in any industry. And so always have multiple streams of income. And that way you're not like constantly trying to reinvent the wheel and wondering why people aren't buying from you. Right. There's like seven ways somebody can pay me for my knowledge because I put it out there. Um, number eight, everyone should have a mentor, a mastermind and their productivity and their income goals every single week. You need one person up the ladder, one person down the ladder, and then you need a mastermind so you can fling ideas at people. Um, Always set your productivity goals, what I'm going to get done this week, and always set your income goal, specific number, circled, so that you can work towards it subconsciously. And every single week. This is not monthly. This is not quarterly. This is every single week. Monthly income is important as well, but every week I set an income goal, and then I reverse engineer it. I'm like, okay, my income goal this month, $8,000. What do I have that I can sell for two or $3,000 that I just need three sales? Mm -hmm. Boom. Um, number nine, isolate your network. So right now, Jacqueline, have you ever sat down with a piece of paper, looked at your Facebook friends list and isolated certain people for certain reasons? So, you know, you got a couple of very famous or very wealthy uh, business, business owners. I'm sure you could write down five of them. You know, probably 10 people that own podcasts or have some type of media platform mm -hmm. magazine, right? Mm -hmm. um, this is isolating your network. It is, it is picking out the bright, shiny stars in the big uh, coal bin. Because not everyone's going to perform at this level. Not everyone's going to push to be visible, to be famous, to be wealthy, all that stuff. And that's fine. You need those people too. But I'm just saying by isolating and by understanding why they're valuable and then creating your influencer list, 
you're going to be able to ask for better favors. You're going to be able to make better partnerships. You're going to have more opportunities uh, brought to you. It's just like segmenting your, your market list, your customer list. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, segment your, your isolated network. And then number 10, know your distribution channels. So every single person we talked, you and I talked about this. Okay. This podcast is going to go out. Where's it going to go to? It's going to go to, uh, face. It's going to go to two video outputs platforms and five audio streaming platforms. Love it. And then you're going to promote it on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Love it. Twitter. Um, now get about what, Twitter. <laughs> what's, what's stopping you from placing this in vet tribe, 13,000 members. I do every single time. Mm -hmm. And then the veteran, uh, there's like all kinds of veteran groups that have popped up lately. And then uh, maybe a Southern California entrepreneurs group or the San Diego entrepreneurs on fire group, like all these different ways. This is how you get listens. You drop that bad boy, like 15 different places over three days, like five groups a day. No shit. You are in San Diego. You have a tribe following already in San Diego. Why would I not drop this and market to your town? Why would you not drop this? uh, Both of ours. So you've got. Because I'll tell you why for other people that are listening. I'll tell you why. Because now I speak for you. Maybe I put it out on iTunes and I trust that that algorithm and Facebook, iTunes and YouTube with my hashtags, my carefully worded hashtags and my tag to you is going to work its magic and get in front of the right people. You trust that. I'm trusting that. But can you pad the deck and and just do these small things (laughs) that add to it? Force multipliers. And then you reach out to your influencer list. You make a list of 10 people that have the biggest audiences on your Facebook list. Or I can just give you some of mine. And you say, hey, guys, I did this amazing two-part interview with Dr. Rob Garcia. If you don't know his story, he uh, is a high school dropout turned PhD that Mm -hmm. uh, is just ridiculous. And he, he gave some really, really crazy business tips, some of his best stuff. Which is um, all true. Right. And that's how you create the must-watch aspect of this show. Hmm. The people are going to miss out if they don't listen to this. Because I just gave, I gave you probably four tips today that are paid client level. Stuff. I know. And so that's, that's how you market it. You have to, yeah, you can't, so many people are just kind of like, yeah, I interviewed Dr. Rob today. You know, it was cool. No, you have to give them a reason to listen yeah. where their lives will be violently impacted if they do or they don't. That's I'm writing, I'm spending 20 minutes on show notes yeah. that I'm not getting a return on that time because I'm not doing nine and 10. Yeah. So ultimately, when I, the reason that it's an entire lesson in tactical CEQ influencer recruitment is because do you want to just blindly throw it out there or do you want to reach out to somebody that's already got like 10,000 people following their every move, right? Mm-hmm. Influencer partnerships are huge. And so just reaching out to them, just asking that favor. Hey, if you want to listen to it too, that'd be great. But I would love this if you shared this out because me and Rob got to a really crazy place and he, sh- he shared stuff he's never shared before on in an interview you know, never before heard content. You know, these are the, these are the marketing buzzwords that you use, but it's true. I mean, I've never, it is true. I've never, I've never sat down with somebody and, and given like 10, 10 prime business tips and I did it cause you're cool. Well, thank you. All right. 
So yeah, distribution channels. So you've already got your basic ones, which are great. But now by incorporating Facebook groups and then pinging a couple of influencers, you're probably going to double your reach. Oh my gosh. This is amazing. I've had so much fun <laughs> interviewing you. So much fun. Well, and and you created so much more work for me, which makes me the happiest girl in the world. It truly, truly does. Because I really do feel like if you're going to even attempt to embark on something as entrepreneur or um, a project that you feel passionately about, you have got to be in love with being busy and working. Yeah, You have to. You're, yeah, I, like you haven't offered enough. Like you haven't offered enough in this, um, in this interview. You were going to provide to them the link to Shift Magazine yeah. so that they can, they can access Shift Magazine, which, by the way, I did. And it is a beautifully put together and amazing magazine. Um, so I'm happy I subscribed to it. Um, also, Tactical CEQ course, uh, Visibility and Growth. It's a six-week course for audience building. And it's done remotely. So people aren't having to, to travel. It's not in a event room you're not having to call in anywhere it's a private mastermind group and they get uh, different instruction and training every week they get a challenge and then they get lifetime membership to the group so a person that took tax CEQ in January is still in the group and they're, they're oh. alumni now they're graduated so now they're working with everybody and there's networking almost everybody that's ever taken tax CEQ has gotten a media interview before they've graduated as well which is cool I just recently interviewed one of your graduates from technical tactical CEQ. And his, his social media has gotten way better because he took Oh my that gosh. Lesson. He's hilarious. Yeah. I love his stuff. He's made, he has made me like marketing, branding, strategy. He's made it enjoyable to learn. Um, but it's done remotely 25 minutes a week for six weeks with group calls on Thursdays. Yep. So the return on this of time investment and monetary investment based on the examples that you have provided? Yeah, it's, it's um, the most valuable that I've seen quantitatively because people are, you know, people are always going to be skeptical. They're like, is this worth the money? Because it's, a, you know, it's a sizable investment. Yeah, fair question. Imagine you're getting $12,000 worth of training because you're going to walk out with a complete social media plan, first of all, by an expert, by somebody who literally does what he teaches, right? You're going to walk out with a media plan. So now you can pitch any TV station, any newspaper and get a pretty good rate of acceptance. Um, you're going to walk out with teacher industry training, which means if you're like Jen Shaw, you'll create videos in your industry. And, and she made more than the cost of a course um, before she graduated. Teacher industry is the one where everybody gets fired up because they realize, oh, wait, wait, I can make money off selling my talents. And then um, you learn how to leverage influencers. So... Within uh, the course, I have two reference guides full of influencers and contact info. That's in the file section. They get access to that forever. So now they can pitch the big podcast. They can pitch um, high-level people. And then I have uh, random celebrity interviews. So I've, I've put uh, four interviews in there where I've gotten on, on with like a millionaire or a TV star or somebody. And we ask like really, uh, really in-depth questions so that everyone can learn. So you never know what, what session, you know, what, what's going to come about it. But for 2000 bucks, you're going to walk out. You're going to know how to do social media that sells. You're going to know how to monetize your skill set and, and make money for the rest of your life from it. 
You're going to know how to attract famous people to your business. And you're going to know how to get more media interviews than you know what to do with. I'd say that's win-win for 2000 bucks. They get the uh, house. It all comes back full circle. Where can they find you? Um, you can find me, uh, my main website's yournextlevelofsuccess.com. Uh, or you can check out tacticalceqcourse.com to read the magazine, shiftlifedesign.com. And we'll provide all these links in the show notes. Perfect. Any parting wisdom? Um, ultimately, you all, everyone that's listening, including you, Jacqueline, has the ability to generate as much money as you want to and as much prestige and wealth and fame as you want to. It just work on your fears, understand about leveraging your skill sets, and just take some of the tips that I provided and create the life of your dreams. Like my life isn't perfect, but it's I'm pretty freaking happy. I, I really enjoy waking up every day and being Rob the Warrior strategist. It's kind of cool. And uh, I, I wish that for everybody. I wish everyone could could rise to their industry and have a following and um, and make money without trying, you know, as I do sometimes. It's, it's fun. Well, so, yeah, believe in yourself. Be your own superhero. And if anyone um, has a foundation in which to give that advice, it's you. So it has been an honor. It's been a pleasure to walk through your young life, uh, struggling with trauma, abuse, dysfunction, to say the least. Um, and then to, to navigate through failing out of high school and military and starting your own, your own stuff and being successful at it, but making other people successful. So it's a great, uh, it's just really interesting for me to be able to observe that wonderful balance that you have of rage and desire of compassion and empathy. And I can't wait. I just can't wait to, um, because I'm going to look into working with you because this is, uh, is amazing. So thank you so much for joining Ambry for these two part series. Yeah. Thank amazing. you so much for having me. I have never done a two parter before. And, uh, that's, that's why I just brought so much like content and, and, and stuff because I wanted to really, uh, show you what I'm about. And I'm, I'm super grateful just to get my, my story out there. Well, I appreciate it. All right, guys, uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow, and reach out to Dr. Rob, the warrior strategist. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Does your revenue grow by 20% monthly? If not, don't worry. Carbon Digital has you covered. Carbon Digital provides digital solutions that are designed to grow your business. A website is an asset to your business and should be the cornerstone of your marketing and customer outreach. Empowerment Specialist out of the UK says that Carbon Digital has superb service, understanding, transparency, swift to respond, and a brilliant outcome. They come very highly recommended. Contact Carbon Digital today to get a free audit of your website and to take 10% off your services using promo code ANBRY. That's promo code A-N-B-R-W-Y. You can email Carbon Digital at Jared, J-A-R-E-D, at CarbonDigital.us or directly by phone at 980-269-0126.